So Money episode 830. Ask Farnoosh with special co-host Emily Gershon. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Happy New Year, everybody. I've been saying it all week, but it's not getting old yet. It's only January 4th, 2019. I hope everybody had a great kickoff to the brand new year. Oh my goodness. You know, this podcast launched uh, January, I want to say 14th or 15th, 2015. So this is our fourth year and counting. Close to 8 million downloads later, um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of guests. And I'm going to continue the tradition this year of inviting listeners on the Friday episodes to join me to share the platform, share the mic get to know you a little bit better, and the two of us tackling our questions from the audience. We have a very special listener on the show today. I want to introduce her in just a moment, but um, also want to remind you that if you would like to submit your questions for this show or co-host with me, it's very simple to get in touch. There are a few ways. You can go to somoneypodcast.com. As always, there's a little widget on the top right says Ask Farnoosh. Click on that. You can leave your questions there. You can leave a voicemail for me. You can also there let me know that you'd love to co-host. I always like to know a little bit of backstory, like why do you want to co-host? Why do you like the show? Um, you don't have to be an expert by any stretch, but just you know, give me a little context. Where are you from? What do you do? It's always fun for me to have a little bit of an imagination going of who this person might be and more likely that I will reach out. And then, of course, Instagram. We made it in 2018, baby, to Instagram 10,000 followers. I know it's small potatoes in the influencer world, but I'm very proud of the community that you and I, all of us have built there all year long. Last year, I've been telling you to join me there, hang out, share, um, send me your questions. So many of our questions, including the ones we'll hear today, sourced from Instagram. Instagram, for now, for me, is where it's at. I love engaging there. Uh, as we know, there's a lot of social media or media out there. I'm really not into Facebook anymore for a host of reasons. Twitter, I like. I feel like Twitter's making a bit of a comeback. More engagement there, I've noticed. But Instagram is kind of my happy place. So follow me there at Farnoosh Tarabi. Direct message me your questions. I try to answer within, I used to say like within the out, the day, but as you can imagine, the questions are coming in a lot more these days. So give me about a week. Sometimes sooner, but I, I sometimes need a week to uh, get through a lot of the questions. All this to say, always happy to hear from you. And today's co-host, it's a special, it's a special Ask Farnoosh because this, this listener actually reached out to Ask Farnoosh a couple of years ago with a question. And then I'm happy to say she followed the advice and is now kind of on the other side of things with with even better news. And uh, she's so accomplished. I mean, uh, she's been able to save a lot of money. She's, she has a nine to five, but also straddles that with a, a passion project, which is growing. And we're going to have her share a little bit more about herself. Emily Gershon, welcome to So Money, my friend. It's nice to reconnect. This is the first time we've been voice to voice. I was 
Uh, I remember tackling your question all those years ago. You were kind of at a crossroads in your life concerning a big move and your boyfriend. But anyway, welcome to the show. Let's get into that in a second. But welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy New Year. Thanks. Happy to be here. Happy 2019. Happy 2019. Do you have a goal this year? What's your big, if if 2019 had like a, if there's a financial chapter in your life, what would you want it to be? What's the title? I definitely think ramping back into savings. It's been like a heavy spending couple of years um, Mm -hmm. through a couple of different aspects of my life. So definitely want to recalibrate and and push forward into savings. It probably will happen closer to quarter three for me, but, uh, you know, chip away at it through quarter one and two and hopefully ramp it up towards the end of the, the new year. Nice. I know this is a, a year where a lot of uh, the pundits, the financial experts, and I will say even just, you know, I've had this inclination too that this is going to be a bit of a softer year financially for the markets. Um, there might be a little bit of a dip in the uh, employment rate. And I think we've already seen towards the end of 2018, the stock market taking a bit of a beating. And so I think with all that going into the new year, there's a lot of hesitation. The best thing we can do, you know, we can't control everything. We cannot. We cannot control the stock market. We cannot control the job market, but we can control our own personal financial sitch situation. And if you can save, if you make 2019 the year to save, I think that's a, as always, it's a great, it's a great goal, but particularly this year, that's definitely on my to-do list. I mean, always you want to save, but if you want to save a little bit more this year, cash will be king as it always is during, I don't want to say it, but let's just say setbacks. The R (laughs) word is what you've been hearing probably a lot of. And uh, we've been talking about a recession for a long time now, many years in the making. And I think it's time for a pullback, frankly. We've had a lot of great returns in the stock market for 10 years. It's been a boom. And so with all good things, there has to be a bit of a pullback. So get ready for that, I think, friends. I think so. Saving is a good thing to do. I like that. So take us a step back. Two years ago, you emailed me, Emily, about a crossroads that you were at. Tell us Remind us what that question was. And I, I think I gave you some pretty okay advice. I, I I liked it enough that I did it and it worked out well. Um, and it definitely was a risk, but most things are. Um, so I moved to New York after college and lived in Brooklyn um, for going on five years at the time of my email. And um, my boyfriend at the time had gotten into a mat, a graduate program, a medical school outside of the United States. And I had been focused in 2016 on really ramping up my savings. Um, and all of a sudden this opportunity to quit my job and move with a man that I loved, but I did not have strong financial or, uh, more than romantic relations, you know, a tie to appeared. And I wondered after focusing for a better chunk of a year on really investing in myself, if I should change gears and use that money to help, uh, make that shift in my life. Um, and you did give very good advice and you made sure that I had a plan and I wasn't going solely on, um, you know, uh, romantic entanglement, but don't you said, make love blind. Like love is blind, yes, right? Love is yes. blind. I think I might've said something along those lines. Like, yes, don't be, um, but that, you know, if it's the right shift, 
um, and I can maintain uh, or use that money in a way that is as useful to a change in my life than to go for mm-hmm. it. And I did. Um, and for the most part, it worked out really beautifully. I, we are now engaged. And, um, so that's very exciting and planning a wedding. So that plans, uh, creates all kinds of new financial challenges. Another reason to save. (laughs) Big reason to save. Um, so, and I have been living for the last two years in Grenada in the Caribbean. Um, so that has been, what's that like, what's it like to live in the Caribbean? Most of us just go to for a week, you know, and, and go to the hotels, uh, but to actually live there, what's it like? It certainly has its perks. Um, what I like to remind everyone is that life is life everywhere. Um, and there are good things and bad things, even when you live, you know, in, you know, a beautiful paradise. Um, so it hasn't been perfect every day, but it has been about as far a shift from New York city as you can get, which was very nice. Um, and it's just an amazing experience to be able to reflect on. We have about six more months and, um, it really is something that I will remember and cherish my entire life. Well, so when you made that shift to go to Grenada and you did have some savings, uh, how has your professional life progressed given that you haven't been able to be in the city, but I understand that I think good things did happen. You have two streams of income. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it's actually more than two. I, I really diversified myself um, when I made this move because I'm a person that is pretty type A and really likes to have my ducks in a row and, and likes to know things. And I this these last two years um, have been a real challenge in the sense that that has had to change and I have had to learn how to adapt with, you know, adapting situations. Um, so after listening to so many, like I said, I really was spending that year focused on my savings and I found your podcast, um, you know, literally just by searching money on, uh, Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. SEO is working. All right. Yes. No. And that's where I found you. And so then my train ride into the East village every day, that's what I was listening to. And, um, so I just started, you know, kind of, Without meaning to, I stumbled upon this great company that I've been freelancing for since. So that sort of, I mean, I certainly worked hard for it, but I worked hard to try to get a job with another company as a freelancer. And they ended up introducing me to this company, which worked out even better. Um, So I've been freelancing with them and a few other clients as well. Um, All sort of interior design product design firms based in the New York area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also work for a furniture company, uh, based in Detroit. And I also run a passion project on the side, Flora Sarah design, where I work with customers and artisans from around the world, sourcing products, designing, um, different home goods for sale for artisans that normally wouldn't reach the market um, in the United States and and abroad as well. Fantastic. Good for you. Yeah. So I've been busy. So you've been busy. You've been, sounds like you've been, uh, you've been following your heart, but you've also been really practical and thinking about your well-being as well. I think that's definitely, uh, you can't ask for more. And you've been exposed to some nice sun, getting some vitamin E, Oh is it vitamin goodness. E or vitamin D? I think it's D. D, yeah. 
It's the one I don't have get enough of. <laughs> I think us East Coasters are always running a deficit. Let's help some listeners, shall we? Yes. All right. So we have a question. Like I said, a lot of these questions came from Instagram. Emily, you're following me there, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. No pressure. Um, <laughs> she wants to know any money gift suggestions for kids. I think this question came in before the holidays, but as, as we also have birthdays during the year and a, another holiday season, I don't think it's ever too late to answer this question. She's wondering what I think also about savings bonds. Uh, well, you know, I think savings bonds can be great. A little bit of a wah-wah gift for kids, to be honest. Like I remember getting savings bonds when I was eight or nine because I got some sort of like Rotary Club award or like a <laughs> spelling bee award. And I'd be like, so what's the deal? Like I can't use this until I'm 18. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was a little bit of a a little bit of a tough sell for me, you know, but whatever it, it, then when I turned 18, it was money that I didn't know I had. And it was, a, it was nice. It was a nice little sort of cash flow. But I think that there are so many creative gifts out there and books too, for kids that talk about money. I just bought our kids, my son, really, cause he's the older one and more mature. He's four and a half. It's a Dr. Seuss book that talks about the origins of money, all in that Dr. Seuss kind of way. We've had guests on this show that have um, worked, who have developed all sorts of um, products for kids. The one that really stands out for me is Susan Beecham has a company called Money Savvy Generation, and she's been uh, doing the good work of helping kids learn about money, kids of all ages, really, uh, for years, over 15 years, almost 20 years now. And she has this award-winning money savvy, it's called the Money Savvy Piggy Bank. And now there are probably knockoffs of this, but the original is hers. And it's cool because, you know, I grew up, Emily, with the, the piggy bank with the one slot for the yes. coins, right? She decided, let's make a piggy bank with four slots so that you have choices with your change and your dollars. Like you could save it and there's a saving slot. There's a, a spend slot, invest and donate. Cool. So four slots. So she's teaching kids at an early age that you have choices with your money, that you can do different kinds of things with your money. It's not just for either saving or just spending, but you can invest. And so what is investing? And you can donate. And so I love that. Um, there's also Monopoly for kids, which is always a great way to learn about investing and being a little bit of a risk taker. So those are my thoughts. Did you grow up with any money toys, Emily, or have had you kind of come across any of these sorts of things? No money toys in particular, but I was a super money motivated kid. My parents always said that like, oh, Emily doesn't want to do this. Like give her a dollar. Um, so they, they knew my secrets really fast, but I have a nephew who's 10 now. And I realized maybe about five years ago, you know, uh, that this was something that was like teachable. And so on his, his birthday and Christmas are within two weeks of each other. So I said to him, maybe it was five or six. And I said, Ben, what do you want? you know, for your birthday and for Christmas. And he said, well, and he showed me a toy that he wanted and it was an expensive toy, but you know, it was a double gift. And I said, okay, Ben, that is, let's say a hundred dollars. It's a hundred dollars. If you want that, I'll buy it for you. Um, if you don't want that, 
we can put this money away and in a few years it'll be worth two of those. And he actually decided that he wanted to put it away. Now, granted, he was five and six, so it didn't totally make sense to him, but it was a choice. Um, now I've taken to doing that every year, A, because it's an easy gift when you have to get two things. Um, but some years he does choose the thing. And now we, we have a savings account, he and I. And um, so every year around this time or last month, um, I reach out to him and I say, what are you thinking about this year? And he says, I really want this. Mom and dad say I can't have it. Um, and what do you think? Yeah. And I give him the choice. And so we have a little savings account and he's got a couple hundred dollars in there. And then I'll be out of there in a few years and it'll be his to, to play with. That's great. What a great uh, relationship you have with him. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, I would also add that I know I, my parents, for example, uh, rather than getting our kids stuff, although they do plenty of that, mm-hmm. at least for birthdays, we in Christmas, even this last uh, holidays, they they donate to or contribute to the 529 college savings plan. So if you um, are also a parent who has a college savings plan, whether it's 529 or something else. Um, that's another thing to ask, you know, if, uh, this time of year, well, I should say holidays and birthdays, friends and family always are sort of scratching their heads over what to get the kids. And I always say like a nice book plus a contribution to the college savings account makes everybody happy, you know, the kids, the parents, um, and you feel like you've really made a meaningful contribution gift and it goes a very long way. So I hope that's helpful, Amanda. And if I think of anything else, um, I will uh, I will be sharing it on the show. Okay. Also on Instagram, we have a question from, and I'm going to mess up the name. It's the handle Jay Tredovic, asking, should I invest the maximum in my SEP IRA? Uh, now he is asking this question as if he thinks I'm going to answer it at the end of 2018. I didn't get to it until now. I'm so sorry, but he wants to know. <laughs> Maybe it's too late to answer this. Should I invest the max of my SEP IRA before the end of the year, as in 2018, or hold on to that money because the stock market that my IRA is based on, the S&P 500, is tanking right now? So regardless of timing, I, I don't ever really like to think of trying to time the market, right? It's not really my approach ever, uh, you are, it's, it's smart to be mindful of what's happening in the market. It's good context, but this idea of like trying to sort of get ahead or, uh, time your investments is, is anyone's guess really. It's true. The market hasn't been so phenomenal in the last few months at the, but you can argue too. And I would argue that that's a great time to be getting in the market. You're getting in at a low price, the market will re- will revive, it will go up again, and you'll be happy that you made some investments when prices were low. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. I wouldn't put all the money into the market right now, but I would do it uh, on a dollar cost averaging basis. So every month, I do this myself, I invest a portion every month into my portfolio. I don't wait till the very end of the year to put it all in. I spread it out. And even if I do want to get in all of the contributions I can for the purposes of deducting it for tax reasons, I might put it in the portfolio, but I will schedule it to invest periodically throughout the year. 
So I still contributed to get the tax deduction, but I'm not putting it all in the market right away. We will do it over the course of the year. So this is my philosophy I've, and I'm sticking to it. I don't believe in timing the market. I do believe in in staying knowledgeable about what's happening. And to that extent, if you see the market that it's not doing so well, it's actually a good sign to get in, get in a little bit at a time. And if you do have a long-term approach, which I hope you do, and I, I assume this person is not ready to retire anytime soon, that you have the benefit of time, right? So if this isn't the perfect time to invest because the market's not on the rise and it's not on the up and up in 2019, but it will be someday. And I think, you know, sooner than later, it's, it's never a bad time to get in. The sooner the better. Compound interest works to your advantage, especially when you have a lot of time for the compounding to really take effect. What do you think, Emily? I mean, it's natural to have jitters, right? When you see the market tanking. For sure. I'm, I'm a relatively risk averse person. Uh, my first job out of college was um, at a law firm and they had a financial planning firm that came in. And similar to the story that you tell about your first job out of college, I had a, a female mentor say, you need to max, like max your match. Um, that's just what you need to do. Otherwise, you know, you're 21, 22 and you think, well, it'd be nice to have that extra, you know, X amount of money. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I took the financial planning firms quizzes about your risk aversion and I was totally risk averse. And, you know, the way a 55, 60 year old person would, you know, handle the markets. Why do you think that? Are you risk averse? You're not risk averse in your career. I mean, you, uh, you've, you left the country with your boyfriend, right? True, true. <laughs> you have a lot of hunger for risk in other ways. I think, I think that feels more, um, manageable. I think those are choices that I make. I think for some reason, and, and it's something I'm actively working on, money feels, um, and I think this is so important, is your mindset around money. Money feels sometimes out of my control. Not mine personally. I think other people probably share this sentiment. Um, and so it's a practice of mine to remember that I have control over money coming in and going out. Um, and the risk aversion, I'm not uh, relying on that and how I invest currently, but it is something where I don't check my, uh, portfolio very regularly because it makes me nervous whenever I check and it's down. Um, so I've, I have a schedule and I check it once a month and I have someone who checks it a little bit more regularly than that. Um, and that's how I'm able to handle that. But my feeling, and it's come from, you know, talking with people who, have much more experience in the markets than I do that I really respect is that, uh, as you said, Farnoosh, like if I'm not touching that money in the next 25, 30 years, which at my age is, is the timeline, um, I should not be concerned about what's happening in the next, you know, 25 to 30 days. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how I handle it. And, um, it's just a constant practice that I just try to remind myself that this is part of it. And, um, it's just a, uh, way to push myself. I like that philosophy. So this begs the question, and if you were a guest on the show during the week, I would ask, what was your biggest influence growing up as a kid financially? You said you always loved to save. Your parents kind of always gave you that yeah. that uh, credit. But do you think that it was just something in your DNA or you were influenced 
Well, I'm the youngest of four kids, and we have talked about money, some of us at times, and how we were brought up with it. And it's funny because our parents are polar opposites. Um, my mom would get dollar coffee at the Goodwill, and my dad would go to Starbucks. And that is how they lived their lives in other ways as well. And in no way is my dad a frivolous spender by any means. He's one of the most thoughtful spenders I've ever met. And I count him as my main influence on how I invest and handle money. And if I have a question, it's, it's him I'm calling. Um, but my parents never actively talked to us about money. And that I think sometimes... I think I might have handled a few things differently early on in my adulthood if I had had more one-on-one -on -one conversations that were intentional. Um, but I think seeing two very different extremes and that they were able to balance one another. Um, and in terms of their financial philosophies, they are very um, different, but they both had the same priorities in the end. And even if you are thrifty or you spend a little bit more money now, but your end goal is the same as your partner's um, and you guys can respect one another and and have faith in one another, then, you know, that is that is the way to making good financial decisions as a team. But. Yeah, I would definitely say my parents, though I do wish they had had more intentional conversations. <laughs> well, this transitions us nicely into the next question. We, you are kind of breaking the topic of breaking open the topic of marriage and money and relationships and money. This question's a little concerning, I think. Uh, Katie on Instagram writes that a few months ago, her husband told her that they have $65,000 in debt. She had no idea. Oh, no. They've had separate bank accounts, so she had no idea that while she was saving, and she was saving for a down payment on a house, they're living currently with his parents, that he was doing the opposite. And so they're in therapy, which is good, trying to figure out what's the next step. And her, her question for me and you and us is, we have $140,000 in our 401ks. Do we cash part of these out to pay off the debt or do I use my $20,000 in savings and then slowly pay the rest off over time? She says, I'm stressed. My anxiety is super high. I'm not sure who to talk to, what to even do. I hope the therapy is helping. We're not going to solve this on Ask for News, let me tell you. But I would like to offer some thoughts. But first, curious to know, Emily, because you are in a relationship and I think this might you're probably enraged as I am. Yes, yes, I well, certainly what, am. What would Emily do? What would you do if your boyfriend, your fiance now came to you and said, hey, guess what? Uh, we have a problem. I'd say, oh, we don't have a problem. You have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but they're married. So yes. to, to an extent, it is their shared situation now. Uh, no, you're right. This is extremely concerning. Um, and uh, I'm not sure... Uh, the name of the person or, or the handle, but uh, I am, I am very sorry. And I can understand why your anxiety is high. Um, and I, I want to affirm that feeling because I would be there too. Um, obviously the most immediate issue is, or appears to be that there's a lot of debt that 
someone's going to come to collect very soon. Um, Oh, that's a, that's a really tough one because they are married and this is not a relationship podcast. Um, but I think the bigger issue here for me is not the money, to be honest, though it is certainly a large issue, but it's the trust and the lack of communication. Um, because that is the thing that is damaged money, money. You can, you can pay that debt off eventually. Um, but if something that big is kept from you, uh, that to me is probably worth more than Mm $65,000. Um, and so I don't know if, if we have the right financial answer for how to pay it off. Um, because I think the therapy that you guys are going to, that is going to be so crucial to trying to rebuild the trust that. I'm sure you feel the the commenter um, is now, you know, gone completely. Um, personally, I wouldn't spend any liquid assets on it um, because uh, if you guys are in therapy and you're writing in feeling anxious and mistrustful, then you need to have liquid assets handy and available to you should you need them for whatever reason. Um, on the flip side, I don't know if I would cash in my 401k. Um, so it definitely is a dilemma. Um, but I think the dilemma is less about how to pay for it and more about how to recover emotionally from it. I think you hit the nail when you said that, uh, this is not a financial problem. It is, but there's a much bigger struggle here, which is the the broken trust, right? And I think that if you are with somebody who thinks it's okay, maybe he doesn't now, he's sorry, but he at one point and for a while thought it was okay to hide this spending from his wife. What else is he okay hiding from you? You know, not to be a harsh critic, but this is not cool at all. And I hope that in therapy, uh, your therapist is working a lot with you two on trying to rebuild that trust, trying to get to the root of how he got to be so secretive. And I mean, people would call this infidelity in some some regards, financial infidelity. Definitely. It's a hard thing to recover from. The good news is it sounds like it's earlier on in their marriage. They don't have a house. They don't have other kinds of major assets yet together. This is really important to figure out as soon as possible. And I'm not going to say that this marriage is going to thrive or not, but you both need to create systems at the minimum where there is 110% transparency. This was the mistake, one of the mistakes, where the two of them were not seeing eye to eye on the spending It made it really easy for him to go behind her back. She didn't have access to his money and vice versa. This is why couples need joint accounts. And it's also why they need to have money meetings. It's also why they need to both be able to share passwords and username and passwords to bank accounts. Not everything has to go in one pot. I do still believe in financial autonomy in your marriage, but there needs to be a a trust and access and visibility and conversation. That's sort of the financial repairments that need to go on. 
But then there's also, like you said, this whole other bag of work that needs to be figured out, which is um, the foundation of the relationship, which is the trust. And why did he betray her the way that he did? What made him think that was okay? And is it something that he can work on? And from there, you know, the money, you know, they, the good news is the money, if they have to pay it off because the collectors are coming, they got it. It's somewhere. They'll have to, you know, take from Paul to pay Peter or whatever the expression is. <laughs> uh, I don't love that idea, but this is the situation that they are in. They could also try to earn more and pay it down, but this is going to delay a lot of their goals, right? They're not going to be able to buy that house right away or on plan. And uh, it's a huge setback. Um and I'm really appreciative that she came to us for this. I'm so sorry, Katie, that this is what's going on in your life. I, I don't like hearing that you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to because that's really important for you and for him. You know, that you're going to therapy, that's really helpful. But in your personal life, too, is there a friend you can reach out to? A, a mutual friend, even perhaps, right? That knows the two of you that can help mediate sometimes could be really helpful. But, um, I, I just I, also yeah. make a plug that if you are seeing a couples therapist, you should also look into seeing a personal therapist if you're not already, because while you can dive into what brought you as a relationship to this place, you are going to have to figure out how you as an individual want to respond and move forward in relation to your husband. Um, and so you know, your couple's therapist can't do that because they are a third party. Um, so you need someone that you can talk to exclusively for what you need. A financial therapist may not also be a bad idea. So we've had a few financial therapists on this show, Dr. Brad Klontz, for example. There are other sorts of money coaches out there that help individuals and couples to get to the root of their emotional struggles with money. And also the budgeting and all the other important things. But they specialize in the behavior and the emotions and the mindset. And maybe there is something to explore as well. But um, it's going to be a multifaceted approach. It's going to require layers and layers of healing. And I think that it sounds like they do love each other and they want to make this work. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in therapy. For sure. And that's a terrific sign. So Katie, thank you for reaching out to us and we wish you and your husband all of the best. Please stay in touch. All right. Last question. Emily is from Kareen on Instagram. This is sweet. She has a 74 year old mom. Her mom has to take out her Roth IRA. She wants to put the money somewhere other than her checking or savings because, you know, I guess it's not getting a lot of return. She's thinking of a certificate of deposit CD but she says the best rates are only 3%. She has about $20,000 to invest. Any thoughts? Well, 3% ain't too bad, I think. You know, this isn't money she, she wants to gamble with or put in the stock market necessarily. She's using the word invest, which in my mind means like investing in the stock market, taking on some risk. Um, a CD is not is an investment vehicle technically, but not as high risk. It's There's no risk, in fact, uh, really. I mean, there's a little bit of risk. Like if you know, CD rates jump the day that she opts in for this 3%, the next day they go up to 5% and you've missed out, but and you're locked in. So that's a bit of a, that would be a bummer if that happened. 
It's not likely though. I think a CD is probably your best bet, Kareen. I think that's my short and sweet answer. Uh, and I would not lock it in for more than a year at a time, maybe 12 months if she doesn't need this right away. But you never know. I mean, as you age, you think your life is going to plan and then you could, you know, need an emergency surgery. You could have to get, take on a prescription drug that's now out of pocket. And and so having some level of liquidity is important. Don't tie your money up uh, to any large extent. That would be my guess. What do you think, Emily? No, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. My my life personally has been very up in the air in the last few years, so I haven't moved forward on a lot of CDs the way I did when I um, was first sort of investing spare money. Um, but I actually found a which, if three percent is not enough for her, this won't be super useful. But I found a savings account that is at two point oh five right now. Um, with no uh, maximum transactions um, that I've really been loving. And it's been super useful. Um, and it's one of those online savings mm-hmm. accounts. And so no overhead. So they're able to pass that on to us, which is so great. Um, so I've been just trying to put into a high yield savings account as much as I can. Um, and as you were saying, you know, you just never know. Um, and so, you know, heaven forbid something happened. Yeah. Relatively liquid. Healthcare is the real wild card in retirement, right? As you age, um, we hope for the best. We hope for the best, but it's one of those things where um, having access to your cash is of the utmost. I hope she lives a long life. And in that case, with that plan and hope, it's that you, you could have some money in the stock market still. You got time, but... I wouldn't put most of it or even a lot of it. I would have it be set somewhere liquid. 3% again, is not too bad. But if you want to start looking at rates, shop comparison, shopping the rates, sites like nerdwallet.com, bankrate.com are really good for that. So I would also lead you down that path. So sweet that you're looking out for your mom. I really... uh like that question a lot, Kareen. Thank you for your question. Also, Katie J. Tredovic and Amanda on Instagram all my Instagram fans. Thank you for joining me, Emily. So what's left with the wedding planning? Oh, everything. there's a a few things. No. Um, so we're actually getting married out of the country. Um, and so it's a totally different sort of wedding industrial complex. Um, and so it's, it's a little less, um, sort of rushed and harried as it would be in the United States. So we do have a few things to settle on, but, um, we're getting married in Trinidad and, um, they're much, uh, we're not behind the weddings in six months and no one's super concerned that we haven't booked a DJ yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. You can get that. Yeah. You can get that. That's no problem. Well, please stay in touch. And I really appreciate you reconnecting with me after these years and really happy to know that things are working out for you Um, and uh, wishing you and your soon-to-be husband a phenomenal 2019. Enjoy the wedding. My only tip for you for the wedding, if I had to give you one tip, is to when you're experiencing the wedding to really take a lot of time to take it in you know, take photographic memories of the wedding because it goes really fast. And you'll have photos, of course, but you want to be able to, when you think about your wedding, really be able to recount specific special moments, even if they're just goofy moments or whatever. But 
um, I found that I, someone told me to do that for my wedding and I really appreciated it because I think I would have just, it would have just gone back past like a blur. For sure. For sure. And I just want to say a quick thank you for Noosh. I've been now listening to your voice for several years and I'm sure a lot of people agree that I really appreciate what you put out into the world and, and all the advice and time that you give. Well, that is really kind of you to say. Thank you very much. It means a lot to me. As we're going into the new year, I need some new stamina. <laughs> Here we go. Another, you know, you know, just another uh, 150 episodes left for the 2019 calendar year. But we're gonna get, we're gonna get it done, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Remember what so you're doing seven days a week. Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do, and think it oh, n- never again. But that was it was good while it lasted. <sighs> Thanks, Emily. Everybody, hope your weekend is so money. 